The Voice America Business Channel is brought to you by Intercall, the worldwide conferencing leader. Check out easy and reliable conferencing solutions at www.intercall.com forward slash radio. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. Uh, my guest this hour is Gail Vaz Oxlade, who is an expert on getting out of debt. Uh, she has done a book called Debt Free Forever and has all kinds of TV and other programs to help people get out of debt. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Gail. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Let's just start with a little bit of your background and uh, how you got to be the uh, the debt-reducing expert that you are. Uh-huh. Well, several years ago, I started making this television show called uh, Tell Debt to a Spart, which now shows on CNBC at um, 10 o'clock on Saturday evenings. And prior to that, I had been designing product knowledge training and doing freelance writing in Canada for a number of magazines and newspaper newspapers. So, you know, my background is that I see the big picture, and that's probably the thing that's different about the way I approach money than most people, because people tend to come to money from a particular angle. They're investment experts or the insurance experts or whatever. And I see money much more holistically because it's, it's really a tool for your life. But it's also like a shovel. You can beat somebody over the head with it and do some real damage. So let's talk about the overall situation before we start getting to the specific uh, debt-reducing strategies. Are people getting better or worse as far as how they're dealing with debt these days? You know, it, it, it's sort of a mixed bag because there are some people for whom the light has come on, and there are definitely improvements. Because I see it all the time, and I get hundreds of letters every week from people telling me that they're changing their life. But when I look at how people go out and, you know, still spend money they haven't yet earned, I think we still have a long, long way to go. And it's that whole idea that you are spending money you haven't earned yet that is so hard to get through to people. What feeds that psychology? Why do people buy things that they don't have the money for it? <laughs> uh, because they have access to easy credit. That's the number one reason. One of the things that I get all the time is, this generation is so much worse than previous generations, because in previous generations, we didn't rack up debt. And I go, yeah, you didn't have any access to credit, so you couldn't rack up debt. Had you had access, you would have done it too. And that's part of the problem, is that people are given the means to spend money they haven't earned yet. And so, you know, it's very easy to buy now, pay later. Or it's very easy to whip out a piece of plastic and pay for something you think you really, really want, even though you don't have any money in the bank. Now, hasn't that changed recently? I mean, certainly in the United States, uh, banks have tightened up considerably and have cut people's credit lines and are making it much harder to get mortgages and in general been much tougher. Yeah, you know, um, they're all doing it for their own purposes, though. They're not doing it to help consumers be better at this. They're doing it because the money supply dried up. They did it because they were overexposed in terms of their risk. They had given out too much credit. And because by drying up people's credit really, really fast, they could screw with their credit scores. 
because then people were um, using too much of their credit, and that would jack up their interest rates. So, the, you know, it was all a game. It was a game to get consumers to end up paying more. And as soon as we wake up and realize that credit can be used usefully as a tool, but not for all the crap we buy, um, then the better off we'll be. We've had this new credit card law in effect for about a year or so now in the United States. Has that made things better or worse? Well, you know, whenever they bring in new legislation to protect consumers, inevitably they miss the mark by about a million miles, okay? Uh, For example, they bring in legislation that says that we have to declare to consumers what their interest costs are going to be over the life of, if they only pay the minimums on, on their balances. Um, but, you know, the people I work with don't even know what their interest rate is. It's always been on their statement. That, yes. that interest rate is stated very clearly on their statement. And if you say to them, what interest rate are you paying? They can't tell you because they're too stupid to look. <laughs> okay? And basically, it's denial. I don't want to know because if I know, then I have to stop spending money. And I don't want to stop spending money. So I choose instead to stick my head firmly in the sand and stay there. So it's all well and good for them to bring out all this legislation and say they're doing it in the best interest of consumers, but it's a crock, okay? So let's not buy the crock. Um, If they were seriously interested in helping consumers, what they would do is they would stop people using the credit score the way the credit score is currently being used because um, the credit score was never designed as a credit adjudication system. It was designed to highlight customers that were the most profitable. So explain more about how the credit score system is being used now to hurt consumers. Well, for instance, if I have um, a a balance on my credit card and I pay my balance off in full every single month, I'm a fabulous consumer. I'm a fabulous user of credit, okay, because I'm not actually carrying a balance. But the credit score system can actually penalize me because let's say I have a $1,000 limit on my card and I run my card up to $800 buying tickets for a trip somewhere, um, and that's the day the credit scoring system decides to go in and check how much of my credit I'm utilizing, it'll actually knock back my score because I'm utilizing more than 50% of my credit, even though I pay off my balance in full every single month. It's a crock. Okay, And the fact that insurance can get turned down because of this and the fact that people can be turned down for jobs because of their credit score is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So we're talking to Gail uh, Vaz Oxlade. Uh, her book is called uh, Debt Free Forever, uh, Take Control of Your Money and Your Life. And you can see she's a very passionate uh, believer in uh, helping people uh, with their debts. Uh, she has a uh, um, TV show on CNBC called Till Debt Do Us Part. Uh, she also has a website where she has a lot of information about uh, uh, debt. It's called gailvazoxlade.com. So we'll be back. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. Um, and my guest this hour is Gail Vaz Oxlade. We'll be back after this.
up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca provides those of you eager to invest well in real estate with the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus is to help you maximize your real estate investment dollars. Listen live to the brightest minds in investment real estate every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter L. Mosca, where America learns to invest. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Gail Vaz-Oxlade, who is an expert on helping people get out of debt. Her book is called debt-free forever. Welcome back to the show, Gail. Nice to be back. Okay, so let's. Uh, we were talking a little bit about the uh, credit card l- law and how uh, banks are really benefiting and how credit scores are being used against uh, consumers. Is there something consumers can do about that? I mean, wh- what is the, how, how is that situation going to get better? Well, the only way it can get better is for people to recognize that credit is a tool that they have to use very carefully. They cannot go out willy-nilly and just buy whatever they want whenever they want it and hope that one day they'll be able to pay it off. In fact, the only way to bring the credit card companies back into line and the credit score system um, make it be used for good instead of to punish people is to not use credit for everything. You know, go back to cash. Use cash for the things that you actually have to buy on a regular basis. Or if you are using credit as a tool, you are using it in such a way that you are paying off the balance in full every month, so you're accumulating no interest charges. Indeed. Okay, you have what you call uh, the four Gale rules of money. Uh, Let's go through what is the first uh, Gale rule of money. Well, you know, these are so straightforward. You sort of wonder why you even have to say them, but they are as follows. The first is don't spend more money than you make. If you are going into your overdraft protection, if you are putting um, stuff on a credit card and not paying it off in full every month, if you are tapping your line of credit, you are spending more money than you make, so stop. The second rule is save something. You know, once upon a time, if you wanted to have some money for something down the road, you actually had to accumulate the money. And if you hoped to live after you were getting your paycheck, you had to save for the long term. And I don't know why that went out of fashion, because it's just plain old common sense. So rule number two is save something. Rule number three is get your debt paid off. And that means actually paying it down. It doesn't mean just making the minimum payment, because people typically focus on the minimum payment. And when you do that, all that does is free up more cash in your uh, budget to go shopping. 
So you have to get serious about your debt repayment and do that. And then the fourth step or the fourth rule is to mitigate your risks. And that means having an insurance policy to protect you in case you become disabled, having some insurance in place in case you die and the people who are depending on your income have some source of funds and making sure that you have an emergency fund. Indeed. And you think most people don't follow your four rules? A lot of people don't follow the four rules, and I'm not sure why, because if you just do those four very simple things, I mean, the financial world is way more complicated when you start getting into the higher level stuff, like investing. Investing is very complex. But if you owe money on your credit card, you have no business investing. I mean, you can't afford it. You have to get your debt paid off first. And that doesn't mean you pay off your debt to the exclusion of accumulating some money for emergencies or uh, to the exclusion of accumulating some money for the long term. But it does mean that you stop pretending you're smart about money and, you know, focusing in on the investment stuff when, in fact, you're not taking care of the housekeeping. What is your sense of what the bank's strategies are now? They gave out huge amounts of credit cards in the mid-2000s. Then they tightened up dramatically in the, uh, the kind of crunch of 2008. Now it seems they're loosening up a little bit. What is your sense of where things are going with the tightness and looseness of banks as far as giving out credit cards? Well, as soon as they are able, as soon as the money supply reestablishes itself, what they will do is they will give out as much credit as they can again because credit is incredibly profitable. Okay? It's like there's no question that it's one of the areas where financial institutions make the most amount of money um, off clients. And ultimately... If we allow them to do that to us, I mean, you know, I don't know why it is that we're under the impression that it's their job to take care of us, because it's not their job to take care of us. It's their job to make a profit for their shareholders. And until we recognize that they are simply providing a service and what they're transacting in is money, I mean, it's like buying shoes, right? You're just buying money. We will not be smart consumers. Let's before we go, in, we're going to go into some of the details in your book, Debt Free Forever. But first, give people your website and uh, the blogs and various things that you offer, so that they can uh, follow you on an ongoing basis. Sure, um, GailVazOxley.com, or you can go to DebtFreeForever.ca, and you can get to me that way. And I blog every day, so you know one of the things that people seem to have problems with when it comes to trying to get themselves out of debt or comes to establishing a found financial foundation for themselves is being consistent. And so that's why I blog every day. I blog Monday through Friday because it is almost like a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. (laughs) And what have you been blogging about lately? Oh, I blog about everything. I blog about, you know, how stupid we are when we walk into a store hungry and without a list and walk around the store and pick up anything that we think catches our interest and throw it in our basket. I blog about the fact that um, there is almost like a floodgate that opens when you buy the first item on your list. And once you have spent that money, it's so much easier to keep spending because that psychology works against us. And so if you want to overcome that psychology, what you want to do is you want to keep your money in various envelopes. So if you're going into the shoe store, you have your shoe store money in one envelope. And if you're going into the a grocery store, you have your grocery store money in another envelope so that they don't bleed into each other. You don't end up spending the grocery money on the shoe store. It sounds good. The first chapter of your book, uh, Debt Free Forever, is about analyzing your spending. Mm-hmm. How should people do that, and, and why do people not analyze their spending? Well, people don't analyze their spending because they're lazy. 
that's the basic reason why we don't do it. Okay, so how can uh, you the, make them the that reason lazy? why you have to do it is that, you know, people talk about the fact that budgets fail. Budgets don't work, and that's not true. People fail to use budgets. Budgets don't fail people, okay? And the number one reason why they fail to use budgets wisely is because they end up picking numbers out of the air. They decide randomly, oh, I think I'll spend $225 a month on food. And they just pluck a number out of the air. And ultimately, unless you know what you have already been spending on food, you can't decide what you are going to spend on food in the future. If you have been spending $500 a month on food, there is no way for you to make that transition to a much lower budget for food unless you are aware of it. You need to know what you are doing. And that's why the spending analysis is so important, because it gets people to see exactly where their money has been going. Okay, so what are some of the basic categories that they should be looking at in analyzing their spending? Well, you know, it falls on the, the five categories that I like to um, tell people to focus on. Is that there's a housing category. So that's everything from rent or mortgage to property taxes to um, your house insurance, your maintenance, your utilities. Then there's your transportation costs, so your car payments, your insurance, your license, your gas, your repairs. Um, then there's life, and life is a very big category. It's quite broad because it includes everything from food to clothes. Maybe if you have a kid in daycare, it would go in that category. Then there is debt repayment, and then there's savings. And if you can analyze where your money is going under those, those five categories, you have a much clearer sense of what you're doing with your money and if, in fact, you're doing what you want to be doing with your money. The next step you say you should take is to face up to your debt. Again, why do people not do that, and what is the best way to face up to your debt? Well, see, what happens with people is you say to them, you know, so tell me, tell me about your debt situation. And they say, well, I have a, a credit card with a $2,500 balance, and I have a line of credit, and I owe about $12,000 on my line of credit. Oh, yeah, I have some student loans, too. Oh, and I have a department store card. And, oh, yes, I'm into my overdraft. And, and by the way, I have a buy now, pay later. They never add it up. Makes me crazy. They don't add it up. Because by keeping it in these separate pools, none of it feels, feels overwhelming to them. Well, I mean, what, what's the big deal about having a $1,200 balance on a credit card? It's no big. Until you add it to all the other debt you have and suddenly realize that you're $46,000 in the hole, then you really want to toss your cookies. You say that it can be overwhelming for people and they shouldn't give up. Is that what happens as people do add it up and they kind of run screaming from the whole thing? <laughs> yes, yeah, sometimes they are tempted to run screaming from the whole thing, right, to a bankruptcy lawyer. Um, but not all debt goes away that easily, particularly things like student loans. And so really what you want to do is you want to add it all up and figure out how much of your income it's going to take to get rid of that debt. If you add it all up and you cannot keep a roof over your head and food in your baby's bellies while you pay off that debt within a reasonable amount of time, then you may need to go and see a bankruptcy lawyer because that may be the only way to wipe the slate clean and start again. Ultimately, however, that has its own costs associated with it because, you know, you will not be able to have access to credit for quite some time. You'll have a really crappy credit score and your credit history will be shot. So it's not the easy way out. It's just sometimes the only way out. When is it appropriate to do bankruptcy uh, versus credit counseling or debt settlement? 
okay, you know what? I am not a fan of critic counseling. I am one of the very, very few people in this world who doesn't mm, get all warm and cuddly about credit counseling, and I'll tell you why. Okay, when you go to credit counseling, you might as well have gone bankrupt for all the good it does to your credit history. Okay, as soon as you go into credit counseling, it registers on your, on your credit history as you not being able to manage your money very well. And all of a sudden, you know, everything sort of goes spiraling out of control in terms of creditors wanting to pull your credit and stuff like that. So I am not a great fan of credit counseling. The other reason I don't like it is because credit counseling inevitably deals with the debt itself, but not with the underlying problem in terms of how you got into that debt. So, you know, there's not a lot of budgeting going on, not a lot of follow-up going on. And, and ultimately, I think if people want to take control of their money in their lives, they have to face up to their reality and do the hard work themselves. They can't just take it and hand it off. As far as debt settlement is concerned, again... If you are going to do that, you can do it for yourself. And for all those people out there that are tempted to say, oh, I don't do math, I can't do the numbers very well, I tell them to get a grip and grow up. Because if you've made a mess, it's time for you to clean it up. If your children turn to you and say, oh, mommy, I can't do math, I'm not going to go back to math class, you'd slap them, right? And you'd say, get back there and learn it. And we as adults have to take that same lesson. So you're saying that the banks will deal with people and give them a debt settlement without having a one of these third-party debt settlement companies involved? Totally. You can do your own debt settlement. This is not the first recourse. It's not the first step I would take. But if you have already been sent to collections, and if you already have payments that are way overdue and your credit history is already shot, there is no reason why you can't do your own debt settlement. So you're saying that people should do that first, that they go to bankruptcy too soon, that uh, it should be a last resort, and many people go to it too early in the process. I think so. I think what you want to do is you want to see whether you can negotiate a debt settlement first. Of course, you have to have some cash in order for debt settlement to work. You actually have to be able to come up with some money to settle. So if you don't have a hope in hell of coming up with the money to do a debt settlement, then bankruptcy may be your only option. Because bankruptcies are up dramatically lately. I mean, they went down in 2005 when they changed the law, but lately they've really been coming back up a lot. Well, what a surprise. You know, we handed people so much rope that they went and they hung themselves high. And then we turn over and we go, oh, really? I mean, I worked with people who had more credit available to them than they could pay off if they put every penny of their income for three years towards that credit, towards paying off that debt. How did they get that much credit? Like, who gave it to them? And the last guy in the door, the last guy to hand them the last $5,000 worth of credit, he's the guy that's going to get royally screwed because, ultimately, that's the $5,000 we're not going to pay back. I guess so, yes. So, But your, your, your impression is that the banks are still doing it, that they, they've tightened they up are. somewhat? Because lending is very profitable. I mean, lending is way more... Consumer credit charges way higher interest than mortgages, okay? Yes. And Lord knows we're not making a lot of money on deposits these days, okay? If we just if we just trade our deposits for mortgages, we're not going to make the spread we can make as a financial institution if we turn around and lend those same deposits out to people who we can charge 16, 20, 24, 36% interest. Indeed. So you're saying that profit motive, even though they have losses on those, they still end up way ahead. Way ahead. Are your financial institutions not making money? Our financial institutions in Canada are making money hand over fist. That's for the same reason you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. We're going to uh, go to a break. Uh, my guest this hour is uh, Gail Vas Oxlad. Uh, she is the author of a book called Debt Free Forever. Uh, her website is gailvasoxlad.com. Uh, she's the author of 13 different books on financial topics. Uh, she's got a program in the fall coming out called Money Smart Kids. And we'll be back with more tips on how to get out of debt after this. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Gail Vaz Oxlade, whose book is called Debt Free Forever. Uh, she has a TV show on CNBC called Till Debt Do Us Part. Welcome back to the show, Gail. Nice to be here. Tell us a little bit about the new show you're working on as well, The Princess Show. <laughs> oh, 
these girls are making me pull my hair out. Uh, these are people behaving badly, basically. This is, I want whatever I want, whenever I want it, and you can pay for it for me. Um, I can't believe what these girls can get people to do for them. Pay their rent, um, buy their meals, pay their cell phone bills, pay off their debt. Really, it's a, an example of just what saps people can be when it comes to the people that they love. So if you're a parent of a princess, yes. how, how should you handle it? <laughs> first of all, I'd like you to learn two very simple letters of the alphabet. The first is N, and the second is O. And if you can pronounce the word no, then you are way ahead of most of the parents of these princesses because they cannot say no to save their lives. And if they say no and then they get into a big argument, and what is the path to get somebody from being a princess to being a, you know, more self-sufficient? I think part of it has to do with um, teaching them some self-respect because to a large extent uh, these girls can't possibly have self-respect if they're prepared to throw themselves on the mercy of whoever will pick up their tab. I mean, you know, if you are exchanging um, your favors for someone else's money, it's a very short step from that to doing it professionally. Mm -hmm. um, I know it sounds harsh, but it's a reality. Uh, I think what we have to do is we have to teach these girls that independence and the ability to stand on your own two feet is like criteria number one for not only having a very successful life personally, but also for being a good partner. And, and uh, people are being taught the opposite. They're being taught dependence instead of independence is what you're saying. Well, I see because what we want to do is we want to take care of them. And we have forgotten that the key to raising healthy children be those children 17 or 34, is to, for them to be able to stand on their own two feet and take care of themselves so they are not reliant on anyone else. They have that firm sense of who they are and of their own independence. How do you tell people or teach them to separate what they want from what they need? Oh, it's a very good, easy, easy way to answer this question. Will you die if you don't get it? <laughs> if you will not die, it is a want. Okay, so yes, you need shelter, but you do not need 4,600 square feet of granite and marble. Uh, yes, you need food, but you do not need to eat lobster and um, shrimp and filet mignon. Um, and yes, you need clothes, but you do not need to wear a label in order to be well clothed. And in fact, what I find is, particularly working with the princesses, and until that was part, uh, what I find is that people substitute labels for good taste, labels for good taste. It, they, because they don't have a keen sense of their own style, and they can't put something together, they rely very heavily on the name brand purse, shoes, jackets, whatever, in order to make a statement for them. So it's a kind of an empty promise in a certain way that you get the labels but, but and you still don't feel They're faking it. What they're doing is they're faking it. You know, all those girls out there who want to be Kim Kardashian or Paris Hilton or whatever, they're just faking it. Um, they're big old wannabes. Yeah. So have you reformed some princesses? I mean, by the end of when you were through with them, are they now more self-reliant and got the princess out of their blood? Yeah, you know what? Some of them have reformed. It was very surprising because last season I only did 13 shows. So I only worked for 13 princesses last season. This year I have to do 32 of them. Um, 
and and they did. Some of them really woke up to it. And sometimes what it is is, is they need a voice to come in and speak to them that isn't the voice they've been listening to. That's not their mother's voice or their father's voice or their boyfriend's voice because all they hear when those people speak is nag, 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 yada, yada, yada. Um, whereas I come in, and, and I, of course I'm not just telling them that they're lazy and you know their behavior is irresponsible. I'm actually showing them because I show them the numbers showing them what they're doing wrong. And sometimes they're not even aware of it. I mean, you know, I talked earlier about the fact that people don't know what interest rate they're paying on their credit cards. They also don't know what they're spending. It blows my mind that there are people out there who make an income and spend it every month, and they actually don't know how much money that's going into the bank, and they don't know how much money they're spending. And the same thing when you go into homes for uh, till debt do us part. What is the process of transformation from being out, totally out of control to getting in control after you've been with them for a while? I think part of it is the realization that it doesn't always have to be like this. Sometimes people get trapped in thinking that the way it is now is the way it always has to be. And one of the things that I do is I change behavior immediately because I take away plastic. You know, you don't get to have plastic when you're on my show. I take your plastic away from you, and I give you cash. In the case of Till Dead to His Part, I give you cash in jars, and you have to make the money in the jars last from week to week, or you go hungry. Okay, those are your options. So you see the money running out in the grocery jar. You're very careful about what you spend the last $12 on. And with the princesses, sometimes I give them next to nothing. You know, they're spending a ton of money. If I have a princess living at home and her mother's providing shelter and her father's buying the food, then that princess needs next to nothing to satisfy her needs. I give her 20 bucks and say, stick it in your bra, honey, and make sure you don't get caught without a 20. But that's all you get for the next week because really your nails and your hair are not the most important things going right now. So not everybody can have a Gale come to their home and be the voice of authority. Yeah, you can be- if you buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> but, but not everybody can have a Mrs. No come to their house. So how can a parent who's brought up princesses and yeah. always said yes have credibility and all of a start saying no? And I mean, I still don't understand how that transition can happen in the average family. Well, I think what you have to do is you have to sit down and have the conversation first and say, you know what, sweetheart, I love you very much. And you have to separate the I love you from the I'm going to take care of you forever because they're two different things. I can love you without being financially responsible for you. And so uh, we need to set some expectations of our children. I think that's one of the things that we have failed to do as parents is we have not set expectations. For some reason, people are under the impression you spoil kids by giving them stuff, and that's just not true. Give a kid all the stuff they want. You want to give them. Feel free. If you have some expectations of them, uh, without those expectations, kids think, kids learn that they're entitled to that stuff, and that's not true. They only get it. As I say in my house, you only get what you want if mommy gets what she wants. So it's the entitlement syndrome that gets people in trouble, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's that sense that, A, I will always get it. People will always give me stuff. And B, I don't have to be grateful because it's my due. Excuse me? I'm grateful I have my health. I'm grateful I have a job. I'm grateful I have a life that's whole and balanced and so on. If you are not grateful for those things, then you're living a life that's sort of like a little disconnected from the graces that you have been given. So what happens if one continues on as a princess? Is there a certain 
brick wall that you hit at a certain point and, and they don't want to support you anymore? Or kind of, what is the undoing of a princess? Well, the undoing of a princess can be that they create such a mess of their lives that the very people who love and want to help them, they've exhausted them. It's not that those people don't want to keep helping them. It's that the princess has used it all up. And so she doesn't destroy one life. She destroys all the lives around her. So, for example, I'm going to work with a princess very shortly who is quite young. She's only 23. Um, and she has siblings who are furious at her because she's using up all the family resources. You know, she's been traveling. Her parents have sent her hither and yon. Um, she's going to take as many different schooling options as she can. And her youngest siblings are looking at her and going, selfish cow, because there's not going to be any money left when it's time for us to go to school. We're going to have to pay our own way. I mean, realistically, as parents, how can you buy one child a car and then tell your other children they have to buy their own car? That's just not right. So there's a certain day of reckoning that, that happens with these things, because people just can't go on forever, is what you're saying. Well, you know what they say, what goes around comes around. And when it comes around, how does the princess handle that? Not well. <laughs> Usually she goes out and she tries to find another set of money bags that she can use to supplement herself. I see. Um, and sometimes that's a boyfriend, and sometimes it doesn't end well. Um, but even worse are the princesses that end up finding someone who they can sponge off of for most of their life and then end up having their own children. And of course, princesses don't change your ways just because they become mummies or daddies. Princesses remain selfish and self-centered. And then those poor children are just such a left out in the cold. Indeed. In your book, you talk about various ways to lose uh, debt. And one of them is to reduce interest costs. How can people uh, do that in a legitimate way? Well, you know, I think we have a huge hesitation in calling our financial institutions and saying to them, okay, you know what, you're charging me too much interest. I have actually had um, people that I work with, it's one of the challenges that I give sometimes, is that they have to call their financial institutions and negotiate their rates down. If you have a good credit score, the credit score I hate so much, if you have a good one, there is no reason why a financial institution will not reduce your interest rate. If you have proven that you are incapable of managing your credit, that you have also proven that you are a high credit risk and they are less likely to help you. But, you know, if, if you are doing the right things and you are making at least your minimum payments on time every single month and you run into a little bit of a roadblock or you have a high interest rate, by all means, call up and try and get that interest rate reduced. And if the first person you speak to can't help you, hang up the phone, say thank you. Hang up the phone, call back in a few days, and get somebody else and try again. And how far can you get a, an interest rate reduced? Say you're paying you know, 25% of some really high rate. How, yeah. how much could you get it reduced? Well, I've seen people take their interest rates from 18 and 19% all the way down to 3 and 4%. That's not common, though, I wouldn't think. Well, you know what? what's common? I mean, if you can do it, you're the only person that counts in this equation, okay? Right. doesn't matter what Joe Average is doing. You're the only person that counts in this equation. If there's a potential of you saving 2% interest, wouldn't you make the effort? Indeed. Indeed. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Gail Vaz Oxlade. Uh, her book is called Debt Free Forever. Uh, she's the host of a TV show on CNBC called Till Debt Do Us Part. We'll be back after this.
the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Intense and intelligent. Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, keeps you informed of the ideological, theological, and economic war being waged against the United States of America. Kevin Lehman's bold and brilliant style challenges your deepest held beliefs and provokes you to ask the hard questions, religious, scientific, political, or financial. Kevin is holding the establishment's feet to the fire with high-profile guests that include politicians, economists, theologians, and business titans. He'll demand truth over tradition and facts over fiction. Full of passion, wisdom, and wit, Kevin's transparent and no-nonsense style make Catch Kevin unscripted and uncensored. The go-to show for real insight on business, politics, social issues, and breaking news. It's time to get real, America. It's time to tackle the tough issues head on. Tune in to Catch Kevin, unscripted and uncensored, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan, or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Gail Vaz Oxlade. Uh, she is the uh, author of a book called Debt Free Forever. Uh, she also is the host of a t- TV show on CNBC called Till Debt Do Us Part. Uh, and Gail, you want to talk a little bit about saving, what saving really means and how people should be saving instead of the way they're doing yeah. You know, I don't know how we managed to do this, but we've managed to muddy up the waters so that we think that as long as we're putting money in a savings account, we're saving. And in reality, saving is the act of not spending money. So if you're piling money up in a savings account because you intend to go on a vacation, you are not saving. You are planned spending. You are spending, planning how you're going to spend that money. And... Um, this is one of the reasons why we're not saving as much as we should be, because um, we have confused ourselves in terms of exactly what saving is. You know, we do things like we go into a, a store and we see something is 40% off and we say, well, we just saved uh, $32. And I say, okay, where's the money? And people look at me and their eyes open up wide and they can't answer me because they don't have any money. What they did was not spend that on that item, but they didn't actually save it because they don't have anything to show me. 
Um, and so what we need to do is we need to clarify in our own minds what saving is. And saving is the act of not spending money and putting that money aside for some distant date in the future when we will need it, because we will need it. Where should you put the money? Since you're earning nothing on checking and savings accounts and CDs today, I mean, you really, it's just sitting there. Where would you put that money that is savings for the future? Okay, so um, once you are saving, then the next thing you have to do is you have to figure out how you're going to invest that money. And you're perfectly right. If you invest the money in a traditional savings vehicle, like uh, a CD or a high-interest savings account, then you are going to earn very little in interest. That's totally true. But it is appropriate in some circumstances just to save the money and not focus on too much return. Specifically, if you have an emergency fund, you need to have that cash liquid so that you can draw on it if you need it. You cannot afford to be putting it into the stock market where just when you need it, the market corrects and you're out of pocket. So, you know, there are a few criteria you have to use to determine how you're going to invest your money. The first one being um, how knowledgeable are you? If you don't know squat, then you stay with the tried and true because leaping into something you do not understand is a recipe for disaster. The second, of course, is your time horizon. If you have a short-term time horizon or even a medium-term time horizon, you cannot afford to be in the markets. That's not the place for someone with anything less than a 10 to 15-year time horizon. And so you need to go back to the traditional investments like CDs and high interest rate savings accounts. Uh, If you have a long-term investment horizon, then the world opens up to you and there are way more investment options you can choose. And the third criteria, of course, is your risk profile. How much of a chicken are you? If you're a big old chicken, then you stay with things that you understand and very simple to use and have no risk associated with them. If you're a brave heart, then feel free to wander off and do dangerous things to make more money. You say you have a chapter in your book called Plan Like a Pessimist. Uh, Uh What do you mean by that? Well, you know, um, very often what happens is I find that people are overly optimistic about things. For some reason, people are under the impression that bad things don't happen to good people. All you have to do is be a good people and you're safe. And that's not true. People become disabled all the time. Statistically, one in every eight people become disabled for up to 90 days. And if you're disabled for 90 days, you are likely to also be long-term disabled. So... Things happen. Life happens. And you need to have some things in place so that you know those eventualities are taken care of so you can go ahead and live your life optimistically. Um, You know, having the right kind of disability insurance, having enough of the right kind of life insurance. These are all things that you can do so that you don't have to worry about those eventualities. So you're saying a lot of people are underinsured against disaster because they're too optimistic. Absolutely, absolutely. And they're, un- and they're underprepared for emergencies. And so very often, you know, people will say things to me like, um, I need a new roof. It's an emergency. And I go, how can a new roof be an emergency? Come on, give me a head a shake. When you put the roof on or when you bought the house, did you not look to see how many years you still had left in your roof? And did you not make a plan to replace the roof? It's like people who say, you know, um, it was an emergency and I had to get my car tuned up because it could stop running or whatever. It's car maintenance. It's not an emergency. So we use all kinds of excuses for how we use our money badly. You also have a chapter called uh, How to Cope 
when the caca hits the fan. So what are some <laughs> examples of caca hitting the fan and how should people deal with it? Well, you know, all, as, as I said before, life happens. And so sometimes you become disabled. Sometimes you end up getting divorced. Sometimes you find out that the person you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with has shuffled off this mortal coil and you are left holding the mortgage and all the kids in terms of your financial responsibility. Um, if you can figure out, if you have all your eyes dotted and your teeth crossed, first of all, so you've taken all the steps to protect yourself, and then if you can keep your head about you as you transition from where you were to where you're going next, then you're much more likely to not make some very serious mistakes. What are some of the serious mistakes people make under stress like that? Well, you know what? One of the biggest mistakes people make is they listen to experts who pop out of the woods to tell them what they should be doing with their money. Um, very often when people are under stress and dealing with some sort of trauma, whether it be the death of a loved one or a divorce, and people, experts, I like to call them the spurts, the spouting experts, come out of the woodwork to tell them, oh, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And if you do this, you'll be really smart and this will take care of this problem. And six months later, they are looking at the disarray of their finances and saying, whatever possessed me to do this? So I say to people, make no decisions for the first six months. Nothing that does not have to be decided should be decided. You should sit with a notebook and make lots and lots and lots and lots of notes. But you've got to give yourself some breathing room to cope with the emotional baggage that you are dealing with. You have a lot of emotional junk to get past. Get past the junk, and then you can make sound decisions. Before we close, I want to make sure people get your website again and how to follow you and your book. So give them uh, some contact information for you. Okay. I'm at gailvazoxlade.com. Or you can go to debtfreeforever.ca, and you can link back to my website through that site. And, you know, watch me on CNBC on Saturday nights, and um, you'll get my brand of good financial common sense. And then in the fall, you have a program called Money Smart Kids coming out. Tell me about that briefly. I have an ebook coming out in the fall, um, and it will be available um, for all the various e-readers around. It's not a huge book. It's 12 or 14,000 words, so it's very easy to manage. But it's what will lay the foundation for helping your children develop the money sense they need to have in order to cope as adults. Very good indeed. Okay, well, it's been fascinating. My guest this hour has been Gail Vaz Oxlade. As you see, you're here, here on uh, Till Debt Do Our, Us Part, the show on CNBC. Uh, her book is called Debt Free Forever. And I guess in, in closing, Gail, you, you say you can do it. There is, it. It seems impossible, but you can get out of debt and stay out of debt. Is that right? Absolutely. And this is the, like, the big message that I have for people is that you can take control of your money in your life. It's not easy. I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard. You might end up crying, and you certainly will pull out one or two hairs while you're doing it. But if you are determined to change the way you interact with your money and make your money work for you, you can do it. Absolutely. Very good. Well, thanks so much, Gail. We've enjoyed having Thank you on The Money Answer Show very much. Thank you. And we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.